The Canadian Olympic and Paralympic Committees announced on Sunday that Canada's athletes would not be going to the Olympic Games in Tokyo. And now there's talk from the IOC that the Games may be postponed until next year. Team Canada feels that it doesn't make sense to hold the Games now as the world is still dealing with the global outbreak of COVID-19 and would like to see a postponement. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Today I talk with Scott Stinson from the National Post about the COC's reasoning behind pulling out what the International Olympic Committee could be doing regarding postponement, and how Canada may have forced their hand. Don't forget you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite shows. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Scott, the Canadian Olympic Committee and the Canadian Paralympic Committee came out Sunday evening and announced that it had decided not to send any Canadian athletes to the Tokyo games this summer. What was the rationale behind that decision? Uh, Dave, the interesting thing is that it, it's a, somewhat of a reversal of a, de- of a decision they made five, six days ago on, uh, uh, March 17th, uh, an International Olympic Committee decided that uh, it basically issued a statement saying we're in a holding pattern and it's too early to make any decisions. So let's hope this all works out. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Um, the Canadian Olympic Committee responded to that by saying, you know, health and safety of athletes is important, but we support the IOC's decision. Let's see how this all plays out. And then I would say within a matter of hours slash days they started to realize they being the canadians that you know with the way things are changing and and how rapidly the coronavirus issues are are spreading from day to day that it was becoming more and more a unrealistic that the olympics could be held in late july safely and beyond that that what these athletes were essentially being asked to do was continue training for an Olympics in ways that they can't do while respecting the requests slash demands of Canadian health authorities. And it was that kind of dawning realization that it's all well and good to wait, but what are we supposed to do in the meantime? And when they, they being the IOC decided on Sunday to say, we're considering a postponement of the games, but we're going to wait four weeks to decide on that. Then it was the Canadians who said, well, we're not going to wait. We can't continue to ask our athletes to prepare for a games and put themselves in effectively harm's way by flouting mm-hmm. the social distancing requests of, of Canadian health authorities. So that's where we got to where, where we are, you know, late Sunday night and, and early Sunday morning. Is Canada the only country that said no, or have other countries put their hands up and said, no, 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 we're not going? Just recently, the Australian Olympic Committee has made the same decision. So Canada comes out uh, late Eastern time on Sunday night and says, we are not sending athletes. Uh, Shortly thereafter, word came that Australia had advised its athletes to say, begin training for 2021. They hadn't actually said we won't send athletes for 2020, but I think that was only like a technical thing because they needed proper sign-offs and they needed to follow chain of command and all that stuff. By by this morning, Monday, uh, Australia had followed Canada's lead and said we will also not be sending 
athletes to any Tokyo games in the summer of 2020. So you have Canada, you have Australia, uh, a couple other countries have publicly said there should be a postponement, Brazil and Norway, um, and there might be another one that I can't recall, but we've seen the dominoes. I mean, Canada was the first to get out there and officially say, if there is Olympics in the summer of 2020, we will not be part of it. Australia is now the second, and and frankly, between those two countries, I would be really surprised if several others didn't immediately follow suit, because... You know, you're not going to hold an Olympic Games when you don't have Australia, a summer Olympics anyway, when Australia is one of the literal powerhouses of of those mm-hmm. games. And Canada is much lesser role in the summer games than it does in the winter. But it's still a, a big, influential country in terms of size of delegation and all that stuff. Yeah. And in, in terms of kind of elite athletes, we may, we may not be top three in a summer Olympic Games, but it's, it's not like Canada is any slouch. And to lose some of those athletes at the Games... And to lose Australian athletes at the games, I think, would be a big blow to the IOC. Absolutely. Does it, does this kind of start a snowball effect? You know, you get a couple of kind of, not necessarily the biggest countries, not the US and not China, Mm -hmm. um, to, you get some of these smaller countries to say no, and then pressure mounts on maybe Great Britain, pressure mounts on, on other countries to get the ball rolling until there's a critical mass where the IOC has to say, okay, fine, you're right, we're postponing. I don't know how many countries it would take. I mean, the the United States is an interesting one because they have already had uh, USA track and field and USA swimming, which are two of the three pillars, I would say, along with gymnastics of the United States Olympic team, which is, you know, the biggest, most successful country in the bunch when it comes to the summer games uh, those two swimming and track have have told the usoc to that they think it is appropriate to push for a postponement so we haven't seen the united states olympic committee agree with that statement yet but again this stuff is happening really fast i think if the united states follows canada and australia then that's it <laughs> the games are done in terms of a a, re, a realistic mm-hmm. thing and to be honest dave the the japanese prime minister shinzo abe uh has said today i believe in in, in japanese time zones it was sometime on monday that that he doesn't think it is viable to hold the games if they aren't complete and we already are seeing that they would not be. I mean, we, we haven't really, you know, we haven't mm. talked about China or Italy or Spain or France or, or the United States in terms of the countries that right now have a much bigger outbreak than Canada does. But, you know, the, the likelihood of an Italy being able to send a team to the Olympics just seems wildly implausible now. <laughs> And even if even if things get better, you know, in the in the immediate in the over the coming weeks, like what kind of shape would that team be in in terms of having been able to train and and even emotionally be ready to support to compete in something like the games? Well, I, I mean, it even begs the question, should a country that's being hit like that, I mean, aside from, you know, Canada has a few hundred cases and 12 deaths and we're taking the coronavirus very seriously, but we are not in the situation that Italy is in, should a country like Italy, let alone any other country, even be thinking about, oh, well, you know, who's going to be our top gymnast at the games this year? Like it, it just kind of beggars belief that the IOC is still kind of, oh, let's just wait and see. You know, I have tried to sort of see it from their position. I wrote about this last week. There is 
a, a lovely idea of imagining that four months from now, the world will be closer to back to normal and uh, summer games would be this wonderful way for humanity to celebrate, you know, victory over an unexpected foe and the fact that everyone came together and figured things out and did the proper stuff and it was all great and wonderful. And I, I mean, I'm sympathetic to that as a concept, but it just seems crazy to think realistically that that is a scenario that could happen. You know, Italy is obviously a, a very good example of a country that right now just seems like it's impossible to imagine them being able to send a, a team of athletes who they'd be able to confidently say, A, are healthy and not spreaders of the disease, and B, are in any kind of condition to perform at these Olympics. I mean, they are they are in a much stricter lockdown than we are, and they have been for some time, and they probably will be for some time. And if you're a Italian mm -hmm. marathon runner, like what has that guy or, or woman been doing for all this time? So it, it just becomes a thing where I think, you know, there's a, <laughs> so many different ways to evaluate how this seems implausible that the Olympics could happen. And it's just a bit bizarre that the IOC continues to hold out this hope, like for them to say, we're going to revisit this in four weeks. Like, what do you expect is going to happen in four weeks that is going to cause you to say, all right, we're good. Like I just, you, you, I know the Olympics are kind of a, you know, idealized thing of optimism and faith and hope and all that fuzzy stuff. But man, you have to be wildly optimistic to think that in four weeks, you're going to be able to rub your hands together and say, we got this thing licked. It's going to be awesome. I know that there was news out early Monday afternoon that, uh, Dick Pound had kind of said in media reports, he talked to USA Today, he talked to Post Media's Dan Barnes about postponing. Are they, are the games done? Is that it? <laughs> yeah, we're kind of at the reading the tea leaves phase here, Dave. Um, Pound's quotes seem to be, uh, not the official word. He's basically saying, um, you know, given the circumstances and surveying the what's going on in the world, postponement is the only option and that this four week deadline that the IOC gave itself to make a official decision is effectively a four week period where they can get their uh, ducks in a row and then be able to announce the postponement and the new date and all the various logistic things that would be involved with that. That all makes sense. It is, however, not the official word of the IOC, which as recently as Monday morning, like six or seven hours before Pound's comments were first reported, the IOC was saying, look, we, we have this four-week period and all options are on the table and we're not going to cancel the games and a postponement is a possibility. So I think he's just kind of saying look, the realistic uh, avenue here is that there's going to be a postponement, but that is still not the IOC saying we have decided to postpone because they literally uh, quite recently said otherwise. Now, I mean, you and I spoke, we're speaking now, it's kind of mid-afternoon Eastern time on Monday. We spoke early afternoon Eastern time on Monday before a lot of this news broke 
you know, things seem to be moving rapidly. Could the IOC come out and make something official now and say four weeks from now, you'll have all the details, but yes, Dick Pound is correct. I mean, they absolutely could. Um, I think that they've already kind of said, because Pound said his thing and people immediately started contacting the IOC and said, wait a minute, is this an official, like, have you guys changed your mind? You were saying the complete something else yesterday. The IOC's basically said, look, uh, people can take away what they want from the statement we issued yesterday, to which, to my mind, is basically saying um, Dick Pound or anyone else can make their own conclusions, but our stance is still that we haven't made an official decision yet. So they can obviously change their mind any particular day, and I think... uh, as this thing progresses and if you know you look at the situation in the united states specifically where the caseload is rising and rising and rising i mean just that alone if that continues i think the ioc probably tips over into a situation where it says all right we should just admit that we're moving on at this point um i think the same thing would happen if the united states were to say they are not comfortable sending athletes to tokyo this summer or if Russia said that, or if the United Kingdom said that, or if any other one of these big countries were to make that decision, I think at that point, they'd kind of have to acknowledge the reality of the situation, which is there are several countries lined up and saying they wouldn't go and and they would be in a position where they'd have to just kind of acknowledge what everybody else already knows at that point. Now, is this a case of Canada and Australia having said that they're not going to send athletes, um, forcing their hand or do you think that there was more going on in the background pressure from the international community as a whole that made them come to what likely will be the decision but at this time is still uh speculation on on dick pound's part i mean ultimately when canada made the decision it made when australia did the same thing they're hopeful that it would lead to a postponement to 2021 but i honestly don't think they're they made it as trying to force the IOC to do anything. I think they just made the decision to say, we can't endorse this at this point anymore. It's not safe for us to be telling our athletes to be training when the government is telling them to stay indoors. Um, So they made their decision and they hope that ultimately the IOC comes around. Um, I suspect those, those dual uh, withdrawals, so to speak, probably colored Dick Pound's comments today as well where he looks at it and goes okay well this is it like once countries are pulling out the postponement option becomes inevitable and i think that's why he's saying what he is today how much of the ioc's talk around waiting to decide or hesitancy to postpone the games has to do with money how much money is tied up in a summer games uh for the ioc and for the host country. The IOC has said for a little while now that um, they are essentially, you know, financially protected because their arrangements, their contracts, all this stuff allows for them to cancel it at any time if they feel the games cannot be held safely. So, you know, their position is it's not like NBC or CBC or the various people who are paying lots of money are going to be able to come back to them and say, give us all of our money back because they, they say that they're fine, you know, being able to cancel the games if it comes right down to it. So they, they, their position is that there's not a monetary decision here. That's their position. Obviously 
their big partners, whether it is an NBC, which alone pays them something like half of their global broadcast rights money, um, the big partners like that have to be influencing this decision at some point. I'm sure while the IOC might know that they're legally protected in the event of a cancellation, they don't want to outrage all their big dollar supporters by rushing into a decision that's going to upset everybody uh, like that. So that has to play in on some level. I do think the Japanese situation is another uh, situation entirely where it has cost Japan and the organizing committee there, you know, billions of dollars to prepare for these games. I mean, billions. So they obviously have a very vested interest um, in them happening. And I'm sure, well, in fact, we know, you know, as recently as a few weeks ago, Japan closed all of their schools long before any other jurisdiction was doing something like that, specifically because they wanted to get the, make sure that the outbreak in that country was as under control as it could be and kind of signal to the rest of the world that they were still going to be able to be a viable host of the Olympics. I mean, it was that big a deal to them that I think they, they wanted these games to happen this summer as much as possible in order to help with an economic recovery in that region. But I think, uh, you know, a, a, a postponement of a year of the games would not imperil all that investment that Japan made. And, and the solution here is not to cancel the games outright and say, well, we're taking our ball and going home. It is to say, we'll hold them next summer and all Japan has to do is keep all of its facilities in reasonable working order for another year. And, uh, you know, and in that sense, it's it's kind of the best case scenario because it gives them another bunch of time mm-hmm. to not only get the virus under control, but to do all the other things that you end up doing in a run up to the games, which often always seem like they're a scramble right up to the last minute. Now, when it comes to the athletes themselves, you know, they've been training for three and a half years to get to this point, you know, obviously, you know, people compete in the last Olympics, there may be downtime afterwards, but kind of the mindset is you start preparing for the next games after the last games. We're a few months out. What does the postponement mean to athletes? Does it, is it kind of bittersweet? They understand why this is being done, but they still kind of like, oh, well, I, you know, I put in all this time and training and money and sacrifice to get here. It kind of sucks. Like what, where do you think athletes are at with this decision? I would say the majority of them would support it. Um, the athletes commission of the Canadian Olympic committee includes 12 members, four of whom are active summer games athletes. And they of course all have friends and contacts within what would have been team Canada for this Olympics. So I don't think they are taking a a position that is out of step with what they're hearing from their teammates. Um, But that said, there are bound to be some athletes for whom, you know, this was shaping up to be their Olympics. And as you say, it is the end of a four year training cycle And they might not be able to extend it another year. You know, like there are going to be some athletes for whom they still had to qualify. Like there was only a little over half of the athletes in the whole of the Olympics already qualified for Tokyo 2020. So there were going to be people who still had to qualify in the coming months. 
and maybe they've been in the shape of their lives and they're building up through a four-year process to, you know, have their best races, their best events in what would have been May and June to qualify for a July games, you know, will they necessarily be able to reset it and start over and, or, or try to kind of keep that peak that they're at right now through a whole nother calendar year. Some will be able to do it and some won't. And there are team sports where, you know, you might be a basketball player or a soccer player and you were eyeing this as the end of your Olympic career. And, and the team kept you around because you were a good veteran who'd been there before. Will those spots be available for those players in a 2021 games? They might be, but they also might not be. So as much as I think the athletes are generally supportive of the decision because they realize that, you know, being asked to continue to train with the games in a total state of uncertainty is unfair and unsafe. Um, there's going to be a few people for whom this is essentially the end of an Olympic dream, I think. And, you know, I don't know who those people are right now, but mm -hmm. I think you'll probably end up, whatever the composition of a Canadian Olympic team would be at the next game, it'll probably be somewhat different than the, the team that would have gone this summer. Well, it's something we'll be following really closely and as we uh, approach the four-week uh, deadline that they gave. Scott, thanks for your time. Okay, anytime, Dave. Have a good one. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Scott Stinson. More from him at nationalpost.com. And be sure to check the post for all the latest updates on the COVID-19 outbreak. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.